You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we get started with Alistair Weaver in the studio, I want to tell you about Dodge. See your authorized Dodge dealer and experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive today. Go to Dodge.com and check out our powerful lineup. Welcome to Castrol CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and Goldberg will be missing in action today. However, we've got the great Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com back into the studio for our monthly segment. We might have, we might have, we're we're going for like every third week of the month, but... Monthly-ish. Monthly-ish. It's it's once a month. We're just, maybe it's not always exactly when we say it's going to be, but... uh, Man, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. How are you? No worries, I'm good. Thanks. I think we're both spending too much time on the road. That's the problem. It's <laughs> you've been traveling like a maniac. That's for sure. Um, but doing fun stuff. Oh yeah, and I was in Texas as well. You were in Europe. You were in France. Uh, uh, probably getting speeding tickets or parking tickets or whatever it is that you get over there. Whatever you guys call them over there. Je ne sais pas. So we got some cool stuff to talk about. Um, uh, first and foremost. Uh, you were out at the Paris Auto Show, Paris sure. Motor Show. What, what's the real name? The uh, Mondial uh, Paris, the Paris Auto Salon. Oh, that okay. sounded German, didn't yeah. it? No, French. Just yeah, like a little bit. Just like a little bit. My girlfriend's French, so I'm supposed to be getting good at this sort of thing, but but not really. Oh, well, she's not listening to this. Um, no, probably not. <laughs> so tell us what's going on there. And I want to get into, <laughs> get into your little racing event. <laughs> It's like a huge race with the most ridiculous little car you could find. Um, and some cool stuff that's going on. But what's hot and new and fun or really important to the automotive industry that is coming out of the Paris Auto Show? Well, I know we've talked about it before on this show about the kind of the strange death of the auto show. And you turn to yeah. in Paris, no Ford, no Volkswagen, no Honda, no Mitsubishi. The kind of list went on. and It's just all Citroën. <laughs> all Citroën or Peugeot. And- <laughs> yeah. And it used to turn up at Paris, and Paris is famous for having the worst press office in the world. I don't want to spoil, sound like spoiled media, but it used to be about six inches square. This year, palatial. Like right, because they have the square footage, because you took Ford's the, booth. Exactly. <laughs> and we suddenly realized, oh, this thing's amazing. And suddenly yeah. realized where the OEMs used to be, where all the manufacturers used to live. Yeah. But uh, it's still a good show. I mean, the big, the big news from, a, from, from our perspective, new BMW 3 Series, yeah, this is this is like the Ford F one fifty for BMW. It's a it's a vehicle yeah. that you just can't get wrong. They built fifteen million three series now so, since okay. they first brought it Let's out. Let's talk about the three series for a second. The three series is a very important car for BMW. They sell a lot of those. They've had sort of the trophy for that segment for so long, and then I don't know. I don't know if they lost it or or what. So my the question is this: is the the last. I don't know however many years where it felt like it wasn't as dominant is is it because the 3 series couldn't keep up with with what it needs to be or did all the other cars become better I think it's a mixture of stuff I mean remember that S, the S, the growth of the SUV I mean the 3 series remains a, a sedan and that market is in in decline across the world so people are buying X3s, they're buying Q5s, GLCs, that that sort of thing for, for the same money. So there's been a natural decline in the market. And also the 3 Series, 
it sounds like BMW is paranoid about about moving it on. I looked at the new one; it's marginally longer, marginally wider, marginally mm-hmm. uh, you know a bit more power, a bit more space. But 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 overall, it's still a three series. And when you look at it, it's instantly recognisable in the front, at least a three series. At the back, actually, I thought it has a bit of Lexus about it. Yeah, it's so conservative and. You know, they, they, they just don't take a risk with it. But it also means that, you know, that's a market that's dwindling and it'll continue to dwindle. But they also, they have to do a halo version of it, right? They have to do an M3 or an M4 or something in that class, both historically, that's what it is. And that's kind of what drives a lot of attention in the magazines, you know. For uh, sure. You know, it, Sure, you're going to find reviews all over the place for the 3 Series, but the covers of the magazines want an M3, right? They do. And actually, when you look at I was looking at the engine lineup, and it'll arrive next March uh, with a 330i, which is a 2-litre turbo that, we, that we're familiar with. Uh, that's 255 horsepower. But then following that next summer is the M340i. You know BMW do these M cars that aren't M cars. Yeah, so like an M performance car, some trim packages and stuff like that. And you, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah. So, but the M340i has a six which has 382 horsepower. BMW is saying zero to 60, 4.2 seconds. So it's like, where yeah. does that leave the M3? It's interesting. I mean, these things are getting faster and faster and faster, and it's getting harder to create that halo around the M3. Yeah. So an M3, uh, what's an M3 horsepower now? Uh, well, we're well over four hundred, aren't we? Got to be over four hundred, yeah. right? So, I can't the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. The new one, the new one has got to be four fifty. Whatever this new one comes. Well, if out. you've got a three forty i with three eighty two, yeah, you've got to be three fit four fifty five hundred. Yeah, uh, it's just getting silly. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean, M five or something now is like five forty, or is it up to six hundred? Yeah, now? and then they do the then they do the sport packs on, then uh, the additional packs on top of that. Right. Just, so what is it like five sixty horse and maybe six hundred or five forty horse? Six hundred now. Yeah, yeah. six hundred with the with the performance pack. So yeah, I guess you can start knocking on the door of five hundred horsepower yeah. in M three, which is enough. Seems like it's enough. I'm 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 having my uh, my M three my two thousand one M three is back at the shop. Um, uh, we're changing the the bracket system and the pulley system. More belt wrap because on the on the high RPMs, I was getting some belt slip on the supercharger. But uh, that should be five hundred. Yeah, that should be five hundred horsepower when it's done. Without the chassis to go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's going to be missing a few things, <laughs> like possibly a reinforced differential or or whatever. Now it'd be fine. It's got street tires on it. It's, yeah, it's fine. fine. Now with your talent. Yeah. Um, so that should be pretty interesting with the three series is, but the three series car is still sort of the basis for some of the SUVs as well, right? Like, I mean, where are we with an X3? Is an X3 that much different suspension wise and, and platform wise than, than a three series car? No, I mean, this is what, this is where... That's what I, makes an X3 good, right? Is it's basically just a, a big bodied lifted yeah, it's the same with things like the Honda CRV and all, and all these vehicles. And and this is this is the interesting thing about when Ford came out and said we're not making cars anymore. We're only making, and this is why the whole thing got got so kind of mishandled in the end. Is that you know a, a contemporary issue? We're not talking about the old fashioned ladder frame with a you know with a with a body on top. These are basically jacked up cars. So yeah. they're, they're they're wagons with a slightly different body shape. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's easy to kind of – everybody talks about the growth of the SUV. It's a subtly – at the end of the day, it's a subtly different body, body style. That's, that's what it is. It's just and, – and now it's, it's funny because when the SUV started, you're right, ladder frame, everything was big. Uh, and really crude. You know, 
Explorer came out and we've had this unibody version of a of a of an SUV, but now the SUVs are getting smaller. Yes. I mean, you're seeing a big growth in the compact SUV, things like um, Honda CRVs, but also what you know, the industry calls subcompact, which is things like you know Q3 and and that sort of thing. X2. Well, X1. Yeah, X1 as well would fit into that. Yeah, we have a we have a one and a two and a three well, and X, a four. Yeah. I mean, and a five and and an X7, which was announced. Um, if oh, I and a six going, and a seven. Well, the BMW X7 has just been announced. Um, yeah, I had a sneak peek of that before yesterday. Actually, that is an ugly vehicle. Have <laughs> you it? seen that? Oh. I saw the concept, kind of a flat nose and. And yeah, it basically, yeah. it's this kind of a little more chiseled edges. Actually, kind of look like a Volvo. Yeah, it had they, a little bit of Volvo to it. They felt the need that because I mean, this is already a very big vehicle, so it already has a lot of road presence. And then they've stuck this enormous kidney grill onto the front yeah. of it. Check out. I mean, we'll be actually going live with the with the piece on check out edmunds.com slash road noise, which is our new editorial page. Check out that. We'll be running a, a first first taking a first look at it. It is a it is a brood of a car. Lovely interior, seven seven seats. Right. But so you, this you is look a, at this the front a three end. row. This is a three row. Yeah, SUV. It's, it's like a Lincoln Navigator, but by BMW. Does BMW have a three row SUV? Well, currently, you, I don't think so. You can get extra rows in an X5, but not yeah, a not a proper. Right. This has got to be some sort of like jump seat or something. Yeah. Right? Whereas yeah. this is this is a kind of a proper seven seater gigantuan yeah. family hauler. But it's it's super aggressive. Okay, so other than looks, though, there's there's a market for it. Like, what else is there? I mean, we're kind of stuck. I don't know why. Maybe maybe Mercedes hasn't been able to like really sort of break into this. But it's like, especially in LA, maybe well, it's just an LA the, thing. They have well, the G, the GLE, you know, the big, yeah, yeah, not the GLE, but, the, um, yeah, but nobody. I mean, but who gets it, right? Yeah. Like out here, you get a Range Rover. Yeah, but a Range Rover is quite small compared to an X7, like a full size Rover. Yeah, if like you go big, for the like a, whatever you, you HSE ha- Rover, yeah, you can have the long wheelbase, but then that's still only five seats or four seats. Yeah. Whereas the X7 will be a full seven seater. So you're th- sort of looking at a Land Rover Discovery, but it's going to be bigger than that, and it'll have more presence than that. But out, I mean, out here in in this town, especially, like Range Rover is pretty much the only option that people buy. I mean, you see some Mercedes. If you're getting into Something fairly large, yeah, right. Uh, everybody, you know, Cayennes you see all the time, and you'll see, uh, I, you know, I see a lot more Q fives than I do Q sevens. I can't remember the last time I actually noticed a Q seven. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, so I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, and yeah, you see the Mercedes, but the big what, what's the big SUV GLC uh, K. GL no GLK is a little one GLE well GLE is the big it's the it's the because you GL. have the G wagon yeah the G we G wagon which is the you know yeah. the, the cool off road thing and silly. then the GL is the yeah <laughs> yeah so the big so the GL but I mean think of how many Range Rovers we see out here versus versus uh, uh, a GL yeah so I guess there's room in this segment for for BMW to come in and go hey we want to do a big arguably big SUV in this segment but. You know, is it? It does it really compete with a Navigator or a, or or the Cadillac? Well, I, I think I that's know. what they're what that's the market they're after. I think yeah. both in the U.S. and also in places like China, Middle East, there's a demand for these big, big imposing vehicles. Be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's also Cullinan. <laughs> there's the Rolls Royce SUV. Uh, there is. Yeah, if you want to go really big. Yeah, it's big. It's physically it's big. big. Do you right? like it? 
It's I saw them at Goodwood, like all in the camoed up, and I think we saw them in Monterey, and uh, we peeked in one, and it's it's very Rolls Royce. Um, but Rolls Royce for me was always about uh, how it drives. Yeah, that their famous magic carpet ride. Um, so that's I I couldn't tell you if I like it or not. You just got to drive it. I don't care what it looks like. If it drives like a Rolls Royce, I'm like it's a nice vehicle it's- to. That's a. It's like the greatest uh, uh, road trip car. It's a nice thing to be in, isn't it? Or to be driven in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I get it. So look, if you want a Rolls Royce. You're in that market for a Rolls Royce. Go and get one. And my thought is like we ro- we drove the Rolls Royce Ghost a couple of years ago to Monterey, and that thing was amazing. So my thought is, is this is a three hundred three hundred twenty five thousand dollar car. Uh, this is a great road trip car. You should just wait three years and buy one for one hundred and thirty grand, and you, you get the nicest riding car out there. For, yeah, for one third the cost. <laughs> I, you know, I was looking at. I Sorry, Rolls Royce. <laughs> I spend a lot of time looking on things like bring a bring a trailer and looking at those uh, old Rolls Royce and Bentley Turbo Rs yeah. and everything else. But you just. And they are. They are in incredibly cheap for what they are, but you just know they're a massive money pit. Once you, I, I'm once just you, saying, I don't know why you, you and I one. constantly surf around for the most unreliable shit uh, we can buy. I was just actually <laughs> going back to for a moment to the Mercedes SUV line because I think yeah. we were all getting confused about GLS and GLEs and everything else. In Paris, there was a new GLE, which is the E-class size one. The big seven-seater, seven which is the X7 rival, that's the GLS. So okay. Mercedes realigned every, they they realigned everything to try and link it up with where the sedan range is. But the new GLE, which is also got oh, I seven got it. GLS, seats, because the GLS series is the big car. Is a really big, fella. big, yeah, yeah. And then the GLE is based on the is based on the E class. That was new in Paris, yeah. Um, so that's also got seven seats. But again, a bit like the X5, they're going to be sort of kids only. Um, that is a fairly generic SUV but I mean one thing Mercedes is doing really well and they had the GLE on, on, on the stand there they also had the EQC which is their new electric, electric yeah. uh, SUV and what do you think? I think their interiors everybody their in, Mercedes interiors are alongside Audi pretty much the best in the business now um, they're terrific and when, when's when's the when's the electric come out? So the EQC is coming out next year. So basically, what you're seeing is Audi coming to the market with the the e-tron, Mercedes entering with the EQC. And are they are they iPace size? Yes, Jaguar they're iPace size. They are. They'll be iPace rivals, but the the iPace is more. I mean, Jaguar calls it an SUV, but it's more. It's kind of like a mix between. I know you said hybrid, but that's confusing. It's more of a mix between a sedan and an SUV, whereas. Yeah. The EQC, we're almost seeing like the normalization of electric cars that the, the e-tron and the EQC actually look like pretty conventional SUVs. Do you, do you, do you think the strategy for Jaguar is going to pay off in that they're basically going to be out a year before the others? I hope so. I mean, Jaguar, if you look at their sales figures at the moment, is a, is a bit of a disaster. Um, they're struggling to sell the sedans. The F-Type is getting is getting old. You know, this, the, the I-Pace, there's lots of talk at the moment about Jaguar going for an all-electric strategy going forwards. So the next XJ will be electric and so on. And that- okay, you say that, but I just read in the rumor mill, and not to put you on the spot because you like facts, not rumors, but <laughs> is uh, the next version of the F-Type could have a twin-turbo V8 BMW sourced engine. It could, and I think this true is, or not true. 
I've also read. I've also heard about that. So it's true that you've also read it. <laughs> I think the problem is they're still trying to work out where they're going, and maybe maybe we'll see another F type, which is which is gasoline, and then we'll then we'll transition. But I think the next XJ will be electric. And the problem is your Jaguar; they're just struggling to make an impact across. Well, the I Pace is a, is a big chance for them, but. Do enough people even know about it? I mean, we're car guys. We talk about it on shows like this. Yeah. You know, it's all over the Edmunds website. But uh, there's so many, you know, out. You just don't see them. And if you don't see them, people don't think about them. And and that's Jaguar's big problem because I'm a big fan of the I-Pace. I think it's a it's a great looking vehicle. It's different. It's interesting. Yeah. The EQC and the e-tron, they're fine. Um, they're, well, they'll drive well. They'll be they'll be super quiet. Mercedes actually made a big made a big mess up of the of the launch of the EQC because they came out and said. Here's our new electric vehicle. We think it'll have a range of 200 miles, which is massively less than the yeah. e-tron and the i-pace. So it's like saying 200 miles. That's good. You know, electric cars are still all about range anxiety. How far can right. I get? They basically just said we're going to make an inferior electric vehicle. Pretty much. That's I, that's what the public hears when you say 200. We go, well, I, i-pace does 240 or whatever. So, so I got, already they're winning. So I got to Paris and I said, guys, that's on and they said well actually we kind of put out a correction and now we're looking at now we could be like 250 miles and yeah nobody read that correction uh, the problem is in, in in europe the way that they measure electric range is different so if you look at the range in europe it's always bigger than it is in the u.s even though it's even if it's the same thing so that the whole market is hugely confused we've actually just partnered with um with a company we're actually looking to start calculating such sort of empirically measuring real range of electric vehicles this is something we're working on in the background so it's, it's quite exciting for us it'll take us a little bit of time to get it done but no, no at the moment nobody's doing that nobody's actually even the right. epa stuff is taken on how trust. are you going to do it because you get that super nerd dan Edmonds working over there we have dan working on but we also have a few people who actually make dan look lacking in nerdiness if that is, if that is possible <laughs> we that can possible? Man, guys who can out nerd dan <laughs> But uh, yeah, some really interesting technology that we're that we're pioneering at the moment to try and to try and get a better measurements not only of MPG but also of a electric car range. Yeah, it's it, you know I in the electric car world because we're talking about that now is is interesting that Jaguar selected because Jaguar Land Rover is one company and I'm, I feel like Land Rover is paying all the bills for the rest of the company right now because they still sell quite a few of those, right? They're at least record numbers. Like, they keep doing better. Yeah. Uh, why launch an electric SUV, if you will, or a crossover, if you will, as a Jaguar instead of something in the Land Rover lineup? Unless it's their way of saying, pay attention to Jaguar. I think that's true, uh, to you know, be honest. I mean, why not do, like, a Velar-type Range yeah. Rover? And they will have to do that in, in in due course. I mean, I think one of the problems with with Land Rover, of course, is how you know how it works off road and everything else. That opens up a whole different because a Land Rover. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, there are some sort of mandates for the for that brand. Yeah, part of Land Rover's DNA is still to be the best equivalent off roader in its its class. I mean, it gets a bit tenuous now with things like the Velar, but it's still part of their DNA that this, that this thing must be must be capable off road. The I Pace will it'll go up a grassy track. Um, but I think you're right. They needed to give Jaguar a bit of a, a bit of an injection, you know, to well, actually get people talking about it again. I, it's it's funny because uh, I think I agree with you. Mercedes kind of kind of screwed the pooch on their announcement of their electric uh, uh, vehicle, whereas Jaguar has been able to reap the benefits of getting out there a year ahead of time and doing something that's fairly innovative. Um, 
And the only real competitor right now is the Tesla. Yeah. And Tesla's already gotten all the press they need for their for their vehicle, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so now sort of all eyes are on the Jag. And I think it it has potential. And then, But you like it, the I-Pace. Yeah, I like the I-Pace. Yeah. It's a good-looking thing. It's spacious. It's different. I mean, they're, they're expensive. You know, they're starting $65,000. So you probably end up spending more than that. The lease rates for Jaguars aren't always the best. So, you know, it's a, it's a chunk of change. Yeah, um, I, like you're going to spend it, – it's it's going to be 85 grand by the time you get it yeah. called up and stuff. Like nobody's buying a stripped-down Jag, right? What's the point? Like this is – it's a premium brand. It's a premium mark. Like, you know, that's what you're getting with, with, with Jag. You uh, get a nice Jag. You do. And interestingly, in, in Paris, um, Kia launched the Nero EV. We actually got on test at the moment, the Hyundai equivalent, the Kona. So there's a lot of vehicles coming in at that kind of – Forty thousand, thirty-five, forty thousand dollar mark, which have now got big ranges, well over two hundred miles, which are competing with these kind of luxury brands. And suddenly, the electric car is not the kind of Tesla fancy of of the kind of affluent, um, you know, uh, the the affluence on the on on the coast. Suddenly, they're becoming yeah. a lot more accessible, and, and that's great. And they're really good vehicles. Okay, so what else is going on at, at, at that show? What so we talked about BMW, Mercedes, electric vehicles. Where, where's the fun stuff? Or there's important stuff too. You're going to be like, hey, there's a yeah. really sweet Kia or a well, really sweet like the Nero EV looks it looks a decent <laughs> thing. I mean, put there wasn't. A, I mean, it's, it's as I said, it's a it's a bit of a dying a bit of a dying art. We saw the 911 Speedster, which is you know the, the worst kept secret in the world that this is now happening yeah. for production. I think they have one at Monterey at Red at Rensport. They it, did. They had yes. the 935. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a cool thing, which is cool. And then next to it, they had the Speedster, and yeah. it, it kind of got overshadowed by the 935 because it was Ren Sport and it's a racing event. Yeah. Um, and then we came home, and a few days later, they're like, "Porsche announced a Speedster, and it's got the red car." I'm like, "Didn't we just?" See yeah, that? they've been saying <laughs> it's been a bit of nonsense. They've been saying for ages, "Oh, it's the concept Speedster." Yeah. And it's very kind of Germanic way. Everything's very controlled. Yeah. Although that does also prove our point of they technically did pretty much show it at Rensport first as opposed to an yeah. auto show. They didn't pull out of the auto show, but they still took advantage of a specialty event and, and announced another car. And that's sort of going the way of what these manufacturers are doing. It, it is, but the big one from Porsche will be the new 911, which will be debuting here in L.A. Yes. When? At the, at LA, the LA auto show. show? Yeah, the LA auto show at the end of November. Yeah. We got a chance to, when we were at Rensport, to talk with some Porsche people um, about the Mission E. Yeah, or Taycan. 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 Something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what it's really called. That's what it's really called, yeah. Because you had a great name that everybody recognized, and then they called it the Taycan, then they changed it, yeah. T-A-Y-C-A-N. Yeah. They told me how to pronounce it, and I can't remember whether, it's a bit like Porsche or Porsche. It's either well, when, ta- I can't remember McCann, when McCann, McCann when yeah. McCann came out. I can't remember this Taycan. I know it's supposed to be either Taycan or Taycan. <laughs> it's one of the two. Corrected me, but I don't know. I mean, that's a pro- you know, apart from the silly name, that's a beautiful looking thing. That's going to be an important car for them, right? That's going to be a really big deal. Yeah, and this is as we're saying, like they're kind of the all the electric cars coming in. This is a big test. I mean, Tesla's kind of Tesla, and that's a separate thing. But you know, is the world going to embrace an electric car from from Porsche? What is an electric car from Porsche? You know, there's, it there's, has to have Porsche DNA, just the way yeah. we were saying. Uh, uh, you know, any any Land Rover has to have Land Rover DNA. You know, electric or otherwise. Right? But it, but it can't have a rev counter. Clearly, yeah, it can't have. You know, it's not going to sound good because it's an electric car. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see 
I mean, it's going to drive well, I'm sure, but how that how that car plays out and and what the audience is for it. Yeah. But, you know, this is happening. We've got to stop coming on. You know, coming on. Should we not sort of? We can't be deniers that this is the this is the the new world order, and it's coming a lot faster yeah. than what we think. But look, you're you're right. It there's not going to be an RPM gauge or something fun to see as you're throwing it around the track, but they're going to do something, right? There'll because be some gimmick, some sort of power gauge. Yeah. You know, some sort of. You know, something that's showing you power, kilowatts, or horsepower, or, or you know, muscles. For sure. For <laughs> you know, sure, though. Some sort be, of muscle gauge. <laughs> you will still have a, a rotary dial in front of you that will, yeah, yeah. Say, and I'm sure it'll be all digital and everything, but it, 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 you have to kind of show that. That's the, that's the point of, 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 of Porsche is, is to do something. And like it's that. such a fabulous looking car as well. It is kind of cool. And we got in this big argument with, with them, not an argument, just a discussion about. Uh, Adam has brought this up as well on, on on the show. Is why 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 do we still have mirrors? Why do we still have exterior mirrors on car? They look like shit. Yeah, and it's a technology that we invented a hundred years ago. And the car companies are like, well, we don't need them, but the government's like, hey, here's a rule we made a hundred years ago. Let's go ahead and stick with it because I don't know why. Yeah, it's just like when when now you know cameras and sensors and everything else could would be far better. Than the mirror, and and I know the car companies are like, here's an Audi, and where your mirrors would be, but inside the car you have little monitors, so you can use that. Like they're just that's just them. That's not them trying to tease us. That's them trying to get in front of the government and go, this is better. Yeah, this is sort of happening. I read a really interesting <laughs> the other day that, that made me laugh because we talk about autonomous cars and say, oh my god, you know, cars driving themselves this is so dangerous. And then somebody said, like, think about it in 50 years' time. People are going to look back and say, you let humans drive a car looking into mirrors whilst talking on a phone. Yeah. You know, checking their text messages, you know, disciplining the kids in the back seat. Yeah. It'll it'll just seem like madness. I'm telling you, mirrors, exterior mirrors are going to go the way of crank windows. Yeah. It, it doesn't I, I, make I, sense, right? It They're ugly. They're, for a long time, they're loud. Right, they have to cut through the wind. The aerodynamics are shit. Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense. And right now, you know, as as governments around the world are going, hey, it's it's all about clean air and fuel economy. They're like, okay, let's start with let's have a mirrors conversation because that's a big factor in in all of that. But if you tried, I think it's the Lincoln does the where they have the little video image in the in the interior mirror. Yeah, you, know, you tried one yeah, of those, yeah. that, but you lose all your depth perception. They're quite weird things to work with because they they arguably give you a better view, but you lose that sort of sense of depth of perception. So you go from looking at the real world forwards and then you look in this and you've got this like little video image and it takes a little bit of time to get used to it. Because it's on the mirror as well and it's confusing your eyes because yeah. you're, 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 you're going back and forth between the two things. But you're, you're telling me now that we have so many reverse cameras that when I'm backing out of a spot, I can't remember the last time I used a rear view mirror yeah. on, a, on a new car. Now, my Alfa Romeo is different. <laughs> I had to do my um, – I don't even mention this last night. I had to do my driving test about a month ago yeah. uh, as, Ooh, a, as a new U.S. person. I did. Should, free... should we even bring that up on the air <laughs> considering you know how, your job? Do you know how nervous I was? <laughs> um, and this is all part of moving to, yeah. the, moving to the U.S. What side of the road do you want me to start on? Yeah. <laughs> God. I, I was so – I was. Pro- I, I don't generally get nervous about things. <laughs> I don't get nervous sitting here doing this. But I was properly – you know, you could feel the adrenaline yeah. going because I thought the, the implications of failing this, they just – yeah. Um, particularly as I was supposed to do the ZR1 GT3 test the following day, um, so <laughs> so we got in the got in the car and technically to, that was on a track, so you'd be okay. <laughs> so we did the little driving reverse. Can you reverse in a straight line? And the yeah. driving instructor said to me, "I did it in a Chevy Bolt, and it has one of the screens in the middle. It has a lot of 360 cameras." 
And the driving instructor, driving examiner started asking me about the technology halfway through the halfway through the test. And he's yeah. like, "Is there a little camera that's above the car? How does it do that?" It's <laughs> like, "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, yeah." So wait, when you do it, do they make you put your arm up and look out the the rear window like you're supposed to from back in the day? Or well, this is or I mean, the driving test evolved and like you're not staring at your dash. You need to stare that, at your dash. Well, it was 24 years since <laughs> I did my last one, so I sat there thinking, yeah, "I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do anymore." Yeah, you know, you did. I learned my hand signals, so I did my hand signals, got all that. <laughs> Did right. you study? Yeah, <laughs> I know, spent a, like spent a couple of hours reading the handbook and everything else because yeah. you get asked to get also you know go through all the, and also controls are called different things over here and emergency brake and I didn't know yeah. what that was and what yeah, do you the hand signals it? parking brake oh well okay okay but you know <laughs> all these things matter um, so yeah t- uh, terrifying experience but we're we're through that now so we're fully bona fide yeah all right well well you passed. Um, so what else is going on at Paris Auto Show? Well, Paris. Uh, after Paris, I jumped in a Kia Stinger, which is uh, which I'm a big fan of, and headed out to Spa Francorchamps. And I was drive. I did a 24 hour race in a car with 68 horsepower. Okay, hold on. First Kia Stinger. I like what they're doing. It's kind of sporty. It's a cool sedan. I feel like the media loves it. They're not going to sell any. They're putting big incentives behind it. I think you're right. I think the problem for me, it's what I like about it is it's a really well executed car. It's great to drive. I think it looks terrific. The interior is nice. You've just got to get past the idea of, of spending all that money on a on a Kia. What does it cost? Uh, well, you can see, this is where you get into what 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 the deal is. So you're you're well into the thir- into into the thirties. Well, what's the sticker on that thing? The sticker on that thing is is in about thirty five. I'm going to have to double check. Mid thirties to high thirties, probably. But that's with- the thing is what they're doing on this is they're actually putting in a lot of incentives. So if you walk into your Kia, Kia dealer today, we know because we get some of the data on this that you get a lot of you get a lot of incentives behind these these cars. So there's a great deal to be done. And the big challenge for the big challenge for these guys is basically to say, can you get people to swap their BMW three series that we talked about earlier? Mm-hmm. And get them into a get them into a Kia. And what I quite like about it is the Stinger it, bigger than a three series. It is. It is it's, bigger is than it a more three series. Five series. Yeah, he says actually over thirty two thirty two nine hundred. They start at right. Both thirty five, as I was saying, thirty five when they're um, when when they're kind yeah. of on the road in the in the form that you want them to be. So it's exactly a what a, a Model Three was supposed to cost. Exactly. <laughs> but but I think it's a really confident statement. I yeah. really I really like it. I like the idea of turning up saying, you know what, I'm comfortable in my skin. I bought a Kia because it's a great car. Can you get it with a manual? No. Eh. <laughs> Rubbish. Just wanted something sporty, extra sporty if I was going to do it. Like, why did you get a Stinger? Because it's kind of sporty and I get it with a manual. But I brought it into the to the racing paddock at, at Spa and loads of people were looking at it. You don't see many in Europe. Everybody was getting excited by it. And you think, actually, yeah. this, is, this is a good thing for Kia. Kia's desperately trying to move their image forwards. And I just think it's great that they've had the guts to actually build something like that, bring it to market. They know it's going to be a struggle to sell up against, you know, BMW, that sort of thing for that yeah. money. But it's a great vehicle, really well executed, and, you know, you've got to support that. We did see one in Europe when we were at Goodwood on the streets out there. We saw one, and it was yellow. It was all mm. yellow. Okay. <laughs> That's what we said. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and kept driving. Well, we have one on our long-term test fleet at Edmonds here in LA, and so we're driving it daily, and it's 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 well liked. It's been a good car for us. Um, okay, so tell us about your <laughs> tell us about your race. You went to a Spa, so I went to Spa, where the home of the Belgian Grand Prix. Okay, and this is a 
Right. And you drove what? I drove a Citroen. So this, the, the background to this, you remember du- two CVs, the De Chavaux, the French farmer's car, the little snail car? Yeah. So there, years ago, they started racing these because it was, it was super cheap. And then there started being a 24-hour race. So it was basically like, how cheap can you go 24-hour racing? And then as time went on, the 2CV became a classic car and parts got more sparse and and everything got more expensive. So I said, well, what's next? And and a few years ago, Citroën, Peugeot and Toyota combined to do like a little European city car. It was the C1, it was the Peugeot 107, and then they had the Toyota Igo. Nothing we've ever... Nothing, no. I mean, okay. it'd be terrifying on the 405. <laughs> <laughs> I drove it out for a Mayo Spider here. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> so, uh, they, so they started racing them, um, and it's just gone crazy. A- explain, what does it look like? Does it look like a smart car? Does it look like a Fiat 500? Like, so to Americans, a, what, are we, what are we picturing? Yeah, if you picture a Fiat 500, probably a good analogy. It's that kind of size. Yeah. Um, two doors, one liter, three-cylinder engine, 68 horsepower, obviously stick shift. And it's super new-ish? simple. What year is the car? Uh, they're going back when were they introduced? Ten, fifteen years ago. So about to, so. But, but you're racing something fairly new. This isn't like a bunch of vintage Mini Coopers. No, out no, there, no. Right? So these are basically the rules are super tight. So you can tweak the the springs and the dampers. You can you obviously put a roll cage in a race seat. You can strip them out to a point, but you still have to have a working radio. For example, this is all part of the regs. Mm-hmm. You run around on on super cheap tires. And the whole idea of it is to make it as, as cost-effective as possible. So we did a full 24-hour race, five drivers in the team. And then how and much horsepower? 68. So you did like one lap? A lap <laughs> in 24 spa, hours. <laughs> a lap round spa. My fastest lap was a high was a 339 or 338, something like that. Yeah. So uh, you could basically pass your crew in the pit, and then they can go to the bathroom and grab some coffee and come back, and then you're back in there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like with a Seika in a in a nine thirty five, you you know, you've only got a a minute and a half, minute forty before the car comes around again. And Eau Rouge, that famous corner where you sort of blast down the hill at Spa, and then you do this right level you see in the in, in F one sports car racing, and you know that's flat, so you flat in Eau Rouge, absolutely, and and yeah. uh, maybe a down change. Um, just to get up the hill. But, but you know what, what was great about it? You had 122 cars, and we had a problem in qualifying. Our transponder broke, so we ended up at the back. So we were 122nd starting this race. Sweet. And we got up to 14th, and the fuel pump broke, and then we, so we fixed that, and that cost us about 45 minutes. So we ended up 23rd in class or something. But it was just so much wow. fun, and it just proves that you don't need to have a McLaren or a Ferrari or something. It's just all momentum. Don't even use the brakes. And really difficult to drive because you get used to race cars, and as long as they're set up, pretty, as long as you've got your setup working reasonably well, then race cars do what race cars do, and you know how to drive them and everything else. Whereas this thing, you know, it rolls, and you kind of have to chuck it in and then wait till the suspension sets, then kind of fire it out the corner with as much as you can with 68 horsepower. So there's a real art to driving them. And the guys that were racing them all the time, I went out and I was like, how the hell are you doing this? You yeah. know, these guys were coming past me, disappearing. And eventually you, get, you, you kind of get into a rhythm with it. But because there's no power and it's all conservation momentum, it actually teaches you to be a better driver because you can't throw this thing around. You know, it's all about how do you, you know, manage the... You, it has to be inertia, perfect line, perfect exit speeds and turns, like, because... There's no way to make it up with power. And it's not like lemons or something like that. This is a serious motor race. So you, so you set off and you do 24-hour racing just as, you, just as you would at Le Mans. And the guys are taking it very seriously. And driver changes. People are pitching themselves in and out and all the rest of it, practicing pit stops. And yeah. it's, it's a serious motor race. It's just all about keeping the cost out, having fun. And 
you know, it cost me, I mean, motorsport's expensive, we know, but the whole thing cost me just over $2,000, which for a 24-hour race in, you know, motorsport terms. Like, and Laguna Seca, you can't even get a hotel room for that much money. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so, a burger. <laughs> yeah, right? So that's fine. If you could do a whole event like that. And yeah. it's just, you know, you're, you're there, you've got four other, you know, four other friends, guys that you're doing, you're, that you're doing with, we're sort of sitting towards the end of the race, sitting there, there's a glorious bar at Spa overlooking the, the end of the circuit, you know, cigar, glass of port. I thought this is, life gets no better than this. That That's how you double the racing budget is at exactly. the end, you have a you have a, you have a glass of, <laughs> of brandy or something and then your cigar and you're like, wow, we just doubled the racing budget. Yeah. Four guys, drinks around and... Uh, um, but uh, amazing fun, really, really good fun. <laughs> what made you go out and do this? Well, these are guys. All... That, these are guys that I raced, used to race with in Europe. I used to race Caterham Sevens in, in in Europe and a few of the bits and bits and pieces. And they just bought this car as a bit of fun because I think it was this passion that everybody has to do. You know, we particularly in Europe, but I guess over here as well with Daytona, that you you know twenty four hour racing is a is a very different thing. It's a team. It's a team sport. It's not as individualistic. You know, it's a challenge, physical, mental challenge. So this is a way of getting into endurance racing at a at a at a cheap price, and it's it's. I think it's something that would would be could be exported over here really well. So it's not it's not like lemons. It's actually a serious motor race. Yeah. But you know, in cars that cost nothing and you know have no horsepower. But actually, when and you also get a lot of pros turning. Andy Prio, who did um, Le Mans in the uh, for, for, in the Ford GT. Uh, he wasn't there in Spa, but he's done a previous round. We had uh, professional GT drivers in my sister team. There was a professional GT driver, so it just attracts you know a whole bunch of people. You guys must have a good crew going from one twenty two up to fourteen at one point. Yeah, no. we were doing we were doing okay. I mean, there's a few cars at the back, like a couple of two series about that you kind of cruise past. But then, yeah, quite a disparity in 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 driving stand. And of course, you're trying to manage the car a little bit as well, stay off some of the tougher curbs and what have you. But yeah, we did we did pretty well. We we're pretty proud of ourselves for a bunch of you know old grain guys. Yeah, did you guys did you guys shoot some video? Is there any of it we it, can see? In fact, as a, a shame, if you watch, we just launched a new show on Edmonds, a weekly show. Nice segue. Ah. Oh. You see what did that? It's like I've done this before. <laughs> if you head to edmunds.com slash road noise, edmunds.com slash road noise, okay. uh, you can see a new weekly show that we, we've just launched. It's a three-minute roundup of the, of the automotive week. Um, it's something that we're running every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time or, mi- or I keep saying midday, you don't say that over here, to, or 12 p.m. Uh, uh, on the East Coast. And this will be a kind of three-minute roundup every week of everything that's going on in the automotive world. So we covered uh, Paris, new vehicles being launched. There's a little bit of footage in there from my race at Spa. New vehicles that we've been testing, just drove the Volvo um, S60, for example. That's in there. So uh, I think anybody listening to this show should enjoy it. And we've actually inviting people to comment and we're going to evolve this as the weeks go by so you know if people want to watch it and, and offer us some commentary uh then right. so it'd be great to hear what people think about it new videos go up every every friday every friday in the morning out yeah. here um you obviously don't need to tune in exactly at that time it, their videos aren't going anywhere but, for sure it's like a but podcast that's effectively. that's kind of when they get posted um and uh and i think one of your videos you touch on um the new 911 yeah right What's your what's your thoughts on that? What do you know about the new 911? Because that's a, we're Porsche fans, and it, it looks like a 911. It looks like a 911, <laughs> right? And the uh, only thing that we know, I mean, we've seen pretty, like a little more horsepower across the lineup, and a, a little and, more horsepower. It's all going to be have a slightly wider body. So you know the like the Targa does today, or the or the Carrera Fours, which have that that red strip. 
across the the back of the the back of the car. Yeah, and we used to see it in in sort of special models in the past. So this is now going to be a, a Porsche signature across the board. So the new uh, Macan has got it. The Taycan, Taycan, whatever has got it. Uh, the new 911 will have that as well. So it will be more that that kind of red Porsche strip is going to become a signature. Right, the the rear tail light plastic area yeah. kind of thing that it goes, goes all, all the way, way across. across. Yeah, it's on the Panamera as well. And uh, they're all basically kind of wider body now. They basically kind of have the hips of, of all, like a Carrera Four or a that, yeah yeah. Uh, they're all going to have the, they're all going to have the hips. Um, there's going to be a hybrid uh, model eventually, uh, not for launch. Um, we think that the next GT3, which we've already got pictures of testing, uh, that will be naturally. There's a lot of rumors about will, will it be turbocharged, will it be naturally aspirated. We're pretty certain that that one will be naturally aspirated, at least this generation. So if you're a collector, my hunch is that this is stick, the last of the naturally aspirated. A stick shift version of this GT3 yeah. could be the one to buy and, and you know, and, and look then, after. Because then that's it. That's it. I think that's what do you it. think they're going to launch with? It's just a Carrera, a four, yeah, a I mean, turbo, and a GT3. Would there be a GTS in there? Would the, there be a Turbo S in there? Like, what do you think they'll launch with? And then when will we get other versions? To be honest, every Porsche generally follows a fairly standard process. So they launch the the Carrera. They, they launch the if you like the normal model, the Carrera Carrera S first, uh, all wheel drive. Then you get the the turbo. Then you generally get the first first of the GT threes. The GTS comes a little bit. Come, then comes later. For example, if you look at the Panamera, we're actually, yeah. we're actually heading out to Bahrain to drive the new Panamera GTS, which was only announced yesterday. Check it out on Edmunds.com/slash/roadnoise. Uh, and that was that that went live yesterday. Um, and this is this is a, Porsche does the same thing every time. Uh, so we'll launch first with like the the cooking versions, and then they'll ramp up the horsepower, and then the GT. For me, the GTS, well, maybe the Targa, the Targa will come in. Targa always comes later as well. That's normally yeah. a year or two into the model cycle. Uh, likewise, the Cabriolet normally comes a little bit later. I mean, for me, the GTS pretty much in any Porsche lineup. We saw it with the Macan. Um, we saw it with the previous, the nine one nine eleven. Is it's generally always the GTS is the one to go for. You just have to wait a bit. Yeah, for that. the GTS. I agree. Has always been uh, Porsche, so a la carte with all of their options, and it gets very very expensive. Yeah, I mean, you could take a Boxster or 918 Boxster, whatever it is now, and 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 be like, hey, it's sixty two thousand dollars. Well, and well then, we just had a Boxster. I think it was eighty grand. We just yeah, there's a, there's well, a video, we've and just that's still cheap because I'm sure you could spend a hundred on that thing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Carbon um, seats and all the rest of it. So, for what you know about the new 911 now, would you tell people wait and get the new one, or you're fine just going to what we have on the lot today? I don't think we're going to need to to wait. I mean, there's always a bit of um, other e- than ego. being fresh and new and sexy. But yeah. how much different is it really? But, do you know? There's always a lot of ego tripping with 911s. You know, yeah. I've turned up at track days and standard career, and it's like, oh, where's your S badge or where's your GTS badge? I but so yeah. the reality is that even the standard 911 is is a fabulous sports car, and sometimes less is more. That's why I love the Carrera T so much. So. I would say don't wait. If you're in the market for it, I mean, obviously we need to drive it, and we have this, yeah. you know, we have this this kind of rule that every car is crap until proven otherwise. Yeah, and I think it's really important. You know, we shouldn't get excited about these things that we've driven them. And you know, Porsche has made mistakes. In fact, when you look at going from the nine nine three to the nine nine six, everybody's like, ooh. Yeah, Whereas yeah. this one, to be honest, it's a it's a gentle evolution and, of a nine. And when are they coming out next year? Sometime mid. Yeah, next we'll year? be we'll be into we'll be so insurance. If next you year. want a nine eleven, you're probably going to lease it anyway, right? Yeah. Unless you're buying one of the specialty ones, one of the GT cars, go 
get yourself your three-year lease. And a year from now, when the new ones come out, you'll be a year into your lease. And then at the end of three years, uh, some of the hotter models, GTSs and Targets and Turbos will be out. And then you'll be able to be able to trade yours in today and get the new one. The other thing I'd say is, is have a look. I mean, the, the outgoing car is still fabulous. Yeah. Have a look at it. Sometimes you can get deals on, yeah. on an outgoing That's model. And if, you know, if you're suddenly getting five, ten thousand $10,000 off a, you know, or, or a fantastic, there's some fantastic, de- de- uh, fantastic lease deals on outgoing McCann's because the new model's here and everybody knows about it. Yeah. So even even in Porsche world, you tend to you know that it's still worth looking at what deals are out there because if you can get a fabulous deal on a on a GTS or a Carrera T or something like that, then go for it. Yeah, but you're right. But more of the if you, for lack of a better term, more of the cookie cutter Porsches, uh, they they're pretty much subject to like any other car company. But like when the new versions are coming out, they need to sell what they have on the lot. Right? Yeah, they need to move those cars somehow. You know, or or if there's something even a year old and it's got a couple of miles on it and you want to save a couple bucks, like, you know, it's, it's still okay to go and get those cars. Those cars are good. Oh, they're, you know, they're, they're cars, fantastic. Yeah. So um, go and do that. So we're going to run a little bit out of time, but I'll tell you guys, we've, uh, I, I went to Texas. You saw some of my social media. I, I went to Texas. I, I, I was going out there for a wedding in Austin. So I flew into Houston to meet with a buddy of mine. Um, who drives a Hennessy twin turbo Raptor, by the way. <laughs> In Texas. Yeah. He's with a, a big hat. Yeah. He's got an 800 horsepower turbo Raptor. Um, wow. I'd love to go in that. Uh, yeah. It's cool. It's badass. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the new Raptor. It's the, it's the, the gas engine, you know, non-turbo Raptor, you know, uh, whatever it is, the five point, so 6.2 liter. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a couple years old, but um, it's 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 pretty badass. I mean, it's got too many Hennessy stickers on it, but it's uh, it's pretty badass. So we got together, we met up for dinner, um, but um, I hooked up with Lexus while I was out there, and Lexus lent me the new ES three hundred H, the hybrid. This is a pretty important car for them, right? It's it's their midsize sedan. Um, it. I would say, look, it's it's great. It's a fantastic car. Say what you will about the grill. You love the grill. You hate the grill. Whatever. We get that part, right? That they've been doing it for years. They don't give a shit what you think. So, uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Like they're clearly not they're changing trying, that. Right? At least they're yeah. trying. Yeah, right. Like they've committed to it. They like it. You you can complain about the grill all you want. It's not going to change. So I didn't. I didn't. I don't want to sit there and get all judgy about the grill. Right. That predator mouth thing that it has in the front. Um, but. Uh, it, there's a certain something you expect from from Lexus, right? You expect a certain amount of quality. You expect it to be. By the way, I, I drove the the LS, the big Lexus, yeah. and it is gorgeous. the The design on the interior with the wood, with the aluminum slats in the middle, and it goes into the door. Like it's got some beautiful design elements to it. This car had a little less of that, but it was just it's still Lexus. It's done right. You can feel the build quality is good. And uh, nobody's been doing hybrid technology longer than Toyota. Yeah. Right. And this sort of falls into that category. Um, it it was good. I play. It it now has sort of that. Um, uh, maybe it was from the LFA. You know, like up above uh, the dash, uh, uh, the gauges on the side on that 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 uh, 
the gauge cluster area. It's got the sport button oh, the dials little, on the yeah. sides. Yeah, uh, the um, you know the LC has things. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so for, when you're first looking around, you're like, "Where's the? There's got to be a sport button. Where is it?" Then you realize that it's up higher. It all works. It all works fine. Um, so I took this thing out. Uh, you know, I picked it up in 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 Houston, and we w- went out to dinner, and it was. Surprisingly, it was black with tan interior. I, there's not a lot of black press cars because they're so hard to photograph. Yeah. But it looked it looked great when they delivered to me. It was really clean, um, which was nice. But when I gave it back, it was definitely not <laughs> clean. Um, so I drove it around. I drove it to Austin. It was a couple hours, two and a half hours, something like that. And I know the hybrids don't get their best gas mileage on the freeway because there's no braking. It yeah. doesn't switch back and forth as much. But on that trip, I was averaging 40 miles per gallon. And I'm sure in the in the city you could probably get that up to the 42, maybe a little more range. Um, it had one of the best, smoothest transitions between gas engine and, and EV mode. It, you can almost not even feel it; like you just don't know the difference. And one of the things that frustrates the hell out of me with so many new cars, um, uh, the, the 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 gas engine cars, is that that start stop function. Every stoplight feels like now you got to give it an extra two beats right because it's got to fire up and you got to go again on a hybrid car this lexus even something like the nsx when you get to the stoplight sure it shuts down the motor but you're in ev mode yeah so there's no get your foot off the brake fire up the engine it's going it's already going it's in ev mode right and by time that engine fires up and does whatever you didn't notice it happened you can actually go uh just just getting your foot off the brake from stoplight to stoplight is so much better in a hybrid car like this than it is in that stupid start-stop function that frustrates the hell out of me. Maybe that's why we're talking about the 911. We're all thinking hybrid 911, but actually yeah. that could be a really nice thing. Yeah. Well, listen, for, for Porsche, when they do a hybrid, they want to use it for some amount of performance yeah. as well. Like this is this is McLaren P1, this is Acura NSX. There's a reason for it. Hybrid doesn't need it for that. But I will tell you, this car had fantastic mid-range power. You know, if you're cruising and you hammer down and you it it seems to pull. I don't know what it's doing. It must be using the electric motor somehow. It doesn't say it's an EV mode, but it yeah. must be doing a combination. Doing of a it. combination. Yeah, and- it is. It it was great. I don't know if you've spent much time in it yet. The, uh, the- not yet. I didn't. Uh, we did have um, one of one of the team did the did yeah. the launch. I personally haven't got into. It. I mean, we talked about the three series. The ES is such an important vehicle for for, for Lexus. That's yeah. the that's the cash cow. That's the the heartbeat of the range. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen kind of a baby version of the LS interior, you know, with the wood and the aluminum. Yeah. You know, and it blended right into the AC vents and everything. Like the LS I get, that car is fantastic, by the way. And also the Lexus, <laughs> we were talking about Jag. I love Jag, but the difference between Lexus and Jaguar is all of the electronics in the Lexus seem to work. <laughs> and also the interior quality, something that, and actually the I-Pace is better than something like the XE and XF, but the interior quality, the touchy-feely bits. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what Lexus is always doing. Well, but the the whole infotainment thing, that kind of weird little pad that you're trying to do, I can't get on with that. Yeah, the touchpad thing is weird. That touchpad right? thing is is probably the worst part of any Lexus, including yeah. the LS. It is. It is weird because there's so many times I want to touch the screen, and then when you plug in your phone, and it's got CarPlay, which I love. Yeah. And every other car, you touch the screen for CarPlay. You just hit your you know your messages or your whatever ways. Um, and uh, you got to use the, the the pad. And if you hit a bump, you end up on the wrong function. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, that part thing. is weird. 
It, that part is weird for sure. If it had some sort of dial or, or joystick or something that you could rest your wrist and move it around, but you're trying to float your finger over it, and you're right. Every little bump or turn makes your finger shoot off in yeah. a different direction. I was constantly trying to swipe down. I was like, <laughs> go back to ways. Go back to ways. I'm lost. Go back to ways. And then I and then I was looking for like the button that, you know, the Siri button, like, load ways or something like actually in the ford raptor it was super easy and this one was a little bit more complicated but everything did work but the whole thing about these things those systems also we like to re- remove distraction make life easy no no they're all t- i mean that's why i think apple car particularly now you can get google yeah. maps and, and ways on it just makes such a just makes life easy i tell you what it is is you you hit it on the head it's trying to make it easier but because there's no indicator on the trackpad of where you're starting, where your finger is starting, you could be in a left corner, bottom corner, middle, you have to look down to see where your fingers are first. <laughs> Whereas any type of dial or, or knob or joystick or something, would you can feel it. So now you know where you are. The pad has no indicator. Yeah, you know, If it had like a, a bump or a divot or something in the middle and you just rest your finger on there first, then maybe. But... It doesn't have that. All right. They're just anyway. trying too hard. Um, we're going to wrap things up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And, of course, as you know, we're brought to you by Dodge. Your authorized Dodge dealer invites you to experience a world of performance, design, and fuel efficiency. Schedule a test drive today. Go to Dodge.com and visit your Dodge dealer to learn more about the exciting offers on our powerful lineup. You guys can check out Edmunds.com, and you've got your new show, Road Noise, Edmunds.com slash Road Noise. Uh, Friday mornings are new episodes. It's a great recap of what's going on. And uh, if you don't like to read and you just want to watch guys in a video, this is the best thing to happen to automotive news <laughs> <laughs> since the internet, I guess. Um, guys, check that out. Since uh, the podcast. Right? Since the podcast. Of course, admins.com. You can follow me at Motorator. I'm on all the social medias, all at Motorator. And, uh, and we can find Alistair where? At uh, Instagram, at Weaver Alistair. Alistair, A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R, which they can never spell in Starbucks. Uh, or on Twitter, <laughs> it's the other way around. Alistair Weaver. Alistair Weaver. Because... Somebody's got your identity. Just like yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Good job today. You too, guys. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Until next time, uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.